0: Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts Podcast, brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In episode 20, we discuss our New Year's resolutions for content. Hi everyone, I'm Sarah O'Keefe. I am CEO at Scriptorium and hosting this episode. I am here with Alan Pringle.
1: Hi there everyone, I'm COO at Scriptorium.
0: And remotely with Bill Swallow.
1: Hey, everybody.
2: I'm the Director of Operations.
0: So we are sitting here just before the end of the year and getting ready to head out for the holiday break. By the time you hear this, we will be back from the break and it will be time to discuss our wonderful New Year's resolutions. So I thought what we would do today is we would take a look at resolutions, not personally, but for content. What do New Year's resolutions for content look like? And so, Alan, I believe that you have a New Year's resolution
1: related to losing weight. And you asked me that after I earlier this morning just polished off some shortbread cookies at about 7.30 a.m.
2: Breakfast uh, of champions.
1: Exactly. But, but
0: we weren't talking uh, we're about not, your personal
1: We're issues. not talking about my my scarfing of cookies. We're talking in, in a less literal sense. When it comes to your content... Uh, it can carry extra weight in, in several ways. One of those is your processes just take way too long to get that content out. And despite all the time you have spent, your results are not good or non-existent for that content getting out. Uh, so take a look at your processes. How efficient are they or inefficient as the case may be and they may be dragging you down. So. Think about ways to speed up your delivery process. Maybe look into instituting some reuse, for example, so you're not writing the same thing four and five times. Uh, Another aspect of weight in content is, does it have a bunch of information that is not useful? Is it uh, redundant? It kind of gets back to the reuse angle I just mentioned. Is it concisely written? There are ways to trim information down, especially when you're looking at, for exact technical information, there is more of a move toward minimalism and toward content reuse. Those trends definitely play into this and can help you really cut out that dead weight, if you want to call it that.
0: And I realize as I'm looking at this that we said, you know, that the goal was to lose weight, but I suppose it's actually possible to have a content that is, You know effectively uh, anorexic it doesn't have enough weight so if you have content that requires regulation or that you know is health and safety content where you're very concerned about accuracy then you do need a certain amount of process right yes so so maybe this should really be instead of being lose weight it's something like
1: healthy weight true and and the healthy weight for one person when you're talking more about people is not always the same for the next person so that's that that applies here very much like you just said some companies are in an area where there's a lot of regulation and that content is very much driven by that where in a less regulated industry you're not going to have that kind of required overhead so it you know one size does not fit all with healthy weight
0: right Okay, Bill, I think we we stuck you with exercising.
2: Oh yeah, and that actually fits quite well since I'm eyeing my uh, second Don test for Taekwondo in April. So I definitely need to exercise more and improve my flexibility. But on the content side, this this is true as well. Um, There are many different formats that you need to be able to hit with your content, and these aren't necessarily going to be going away. in the future, so and one of the big ones is mobile, and you know the easiest way to to hit mobile is you know of course to go with some kind of a responsive design, so you're not designing for multiple different screens with multiple different outputs. You use the same one in HTML for all of them. But looking at uh, improving flexibility for content, um, Alan was speaking a lot about um, doing things in the uh, the in the content for losing weight so he talked about reuse and that is definitely something that you can employ to uh, improve your flexibility of content and also looking at using conditional content as well and multiple multiple different publishing scenarios so this way you're not kind of recreating the wheel uh, every single time you need to produce a new output you're using as much as you can and uh, really improving the flexibility of that content by building in what you need to push out to multiple different outputs.
0: So flexibility means you don't really want to get too locked in, right, to a specific thing.
2: Right, I mean, as as your content becomes more flexible, uh, there are, um, you see, again, as in losing weight, you, you see a lot less uh, formatting-specific um, stuff in your content. And you know you're able to start delivering uh, content into many different forms.
1: And a lot of times you need to look very hard at your tool and process architecture because if your the tools you're using to create and distribute content are you know a few years old and say focus more on print PDF and you're trying to get out to a mobile world, you're going to have a conflict there. So it goes into Really, what is your tool architecture? What is your infrastructure behind your content? Because it may be limiting what you need to do in your in this uh, in this need for flexibility.
2: Oh, that's very true. I mean, especially if you're sharing content between different target outputs, you know, even if it's just between marketing and uh, technical communications, uh, if you're using different tools, that makes your content a lot less flexible.
1: And the same can be said if you need to translate that content into multiple languages, uh, there's another barrier, a possible barrier to that flexibility as well. If your tools and processes cannot sustain an efficient localization workflow.
0: And then I guess, again, you know, being being the troublesome contrarian, there is such a thing as having content that is too flexible. That, you know, that doesn't have any guidelines or any... um, style or any, any sort of rules that you're following in terms of what you're doing with that content. And, uh, it really makes me think of, um, those gutter guards that you put up when for kids or terrible bowlers when you're bowling, (laughs) right? Where it kind of, it keeps the ball at least going down the right path. It doesn't give you a whole lot, but it keeps it from actually ending up in the gutter. Um, and interestingly, we were looking at this this weekend because I was up north, um, actually way north of you, Bill, and the roads had been <laughs> plowed. And as a result, there was a thing that literally looked like those gutter guards. I mean, if you slid off the road, you weren't going very far because there were these bumpers on either side that were just, you know, hard frozen snow about two feet high. So, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't get very far if you actually slid, although I have to say the roads were in pretty good shape because people up north know how to plow unlike some people we could mention um, here here <laughs> so okay so one of our other resolutions having dumped the you know the embarrassing personal ones on the two of you I went with learn a new skill um, you know resolve to learn something new and this one is probably for us personally and not for you know the content content doesn't really learn new skills um, Although, uh, interestingly, Alexa does use that term, right? Alexa has skills. But this is for you. Um, Stay on top of the industry developments. Look at the new stuff that's coming out. Find something that you're interested in that presents an opportunity for you, for your content and your career. And, you know, pursue that and become competent in whatever that thing might be. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you need to necessarily move your content into the new thing. I'm just saying learn it, spend some time with it, learn what's out there and have some options available to you so that, you know, you keep going and you keep uh, figuring out new stuff. Um, Bill, we we picked on you and said you should stop smoking.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'll focus on other bad
0: habits. (laughs) As far as I know, Bill's not actually a smoker.
2: No, I am not. but bad habits, definitely. I mean, that's one of the number one New Year's resolutions that are out there. Um, but bad habits definitely are, you know, killing your content over time, and they could be really anything. Uh, it could be, you know, as we discussed, using multiple different tools or using the wrong tool to get something done. Um, essentially, trying to cram your content into a shoe that doesn't fit, you know, with a shoehorn. Um, no, but working in a vacuum, um, focusing only on um you know what you need to get done and not worrying about anyone else on your team or anyone else in the company who might need to rely on that content. Uh focusing on the wrong content. Um you know a lot of times I've seen people uh focus on the content that they just particularly love to write and they Pay no mind to the content that they don't write, or they write in a specific way, uh, regardless of the mandated style, and that just creates a lot of busy work for everybody else. So focusing in on, you know, what are the things that are preventing you from, you know, really doing more with your content? You know, these are all content-related bad habits, you know, that need to to stop. Um, and even looking at process and workflow, uh, waiting to the last minute to get some kind of review Or a different set of eyes on your content before pushing it out the door. Um, All these things contribute to, you know, these bad habits contribute to problems with your content that could definitely use some fixing in 2018.
1: Another bad habit I can think of is ownership. It is one thing to be (laughs) very proud of the work that you do and, you know, be competent in your job. It is another thing, however, to say I own this this is my piece of content Well newsflash is not your content if you're getting paid by a corporation or your you know your your company to write it. Um, it is the organization's content you are helping to create it uh, so you have to be very careful with your mindset in regard to ownership. Yes you may be responsible for writing certain pieces but don't think, that you were like you mentioned, Bill, that you're working in a vacuum and that's all you need to focus on, especially in mm-hmm. this day and age of reuse.
0: And I will say, years and years ago, I had to have been at least 15 years ago, I interviewed somebody and I asked, it was a you know, a technical writing position. And I said, What do you do when you have a technical editor? Because this was so long ago that there were still technical editors, and the editor looks at your stuff and makes a change that you don't necessarily agree with what what do you do with that and i didn't specify what the change was whether it was you know persnickety or important or anything i just said what happens if your technical editor makes a change that you disagree with now there are so many answers that you can give to that all the way from go talk to the editor to try and figure out why they made the change review the style guide whatever this particular person gave the only absolutely incorrect answer which was Well, it's my content, so if I don't agree with it, then I ignore it. (laughs) And I said, well, thanks for coming in and have a lovely day working somewhere else. Because... Yeah, I
2: had... Because...
0: Because, no, that's not how it works.
2: (laughs) I had a very similar situation although it was on the flip side of the hiring process this person was already in place and uh, kept butting heads with um, our editor at the time and uh, it, it came to such a head that she stomped down to his cubicle and screamed at him you know saying what is this a friggin dictatorship and he just smiled back politely and said yes because yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to stop the bad habits of you know going against the style.
0: Alright, so um, one of the other very common resolutions is to improve your finances. So Alan, what does that
1: look like from a content point of view? So from a content point of view and finance, it would be helpful for you to have an understanding of how much it costs to distribute content or how much it costs to create your entire process. What does it actually cost? And it's very common to say, oh, Let's go use this new tool or let's go do this new process without any thought of the business requirements, what the actual costs of changing are going to be, all that sort of thing. So before you start talking about, oh, we need new tools, we need new processes, we need whatever it may be that's going to cost the company money, it is a really good idea to figure out what your current costs are, what there may be cost-wise in regard to moving to a new tool, and I'm not talking about just the mere licensing of those tools. There are other aspects you have to look at, Uh, the, the changing, the change management. Is there any expense in, for example, training to get people up and running and understanding a new process? So you have to look at every single aspect of potential cost how that feeds into the bottom line of the company and if those costs in the long run will be paid for by improvements and will improve the overall finance of the company, say, for example, because you deliver content two months early because your process is better, how is that going to affect income? Those are the Mm -hmm. kinds of things that you have to look at. Um, and understand before you go out, start asking for money.
2: Right, and it it comes down to also understanding your current finances as well, and a lot of those costs aren't necessarily hard costs. Yes, you know, it's the cost of, you know, the work being performed and the hours that are going into producing things. So if you're using, you know, Alan mentioned being able to quantify the cost uh, and the return on investment for. Uh, a new tool for example but I mean, you have to look at your existing you know cost to produce stuff using your existing tools as well you know you had paid for a license for these things but there's a time and materials you know sort of aspect to that and taking into account you know if if this tool costs fifty percent more than what we have now you know or let's say you know this tool costs an extra fifty thousand dollars but we can save at least a hundred thousand dollars a year in Productivity improvement, yeah, you know, on people's time. You know, you need to be able to understand that aspect as well.
1: Yeah, that and that you, basically, it's just going to pay for itself and then some. Is what you're mm-hmm. what you're saying? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. And we had some discussion about this. We did a podcast with Aaron Vong, who talked about um, some of the realities of corporate finance, of budgeting, how budgets work, and how you get all that stuff in place. Um, I'll leave those links in the show notes, but so there's some additional resources there that are focused more on the sort of life in a corporation that has a finance department. Um, So we'd be quite interested in hearing from our listeners about what your content resolutions might be for this year. Uh, You could leave those in the comments on our website if you want to. Before we go, we wanted to let you know about a new free online conference that will be happening early next year in late February. It's called Learning DITA Live. We're going to have four days of sessions for beginner through advanced DITA users. You can find all the details at learningdita.com, and we hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, please visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.